the key here and the thing I've learned, and I think I knew it from day one, is that a platform is only as good as its foundation. And when you build a foundation for your platform that is solely on the craft, meaning it's only about design or it's only about photography or it's only about the product you create, and that's it, just about the product, nothing else, then the minute that shifts or changes, the audience doesn't have any ties or connections to anything else. And you do have to hit reset. Truthfully, like at that point, you would have to hit reset. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to the Brands at Book Show, where we help creative service-based businesses build their brands and find more clients. I'm your host, Davy Jones. Today's guest is Natalie Frank Hayes of the Rising Tide Society. And this is an exciting episode because it brings me back to the very first podcast I was ever a part of, The Coffee Commute, which I actually started with Natalie. Natalie is an entrepreneur, mobilization marketer, community builder, neuroscience nerd, and of course, she's one of the co-founders of the Rising Tide Society, alongside myself, Krista, and her husband, Huey. And she's also the head of community at HoneyBook. Today, Natalie and I chat about growing a platform, which is something she has successfully done across so many life transitions. We talk about how she's been able to do this so effectively, and advice she has for others also trying to grow a platform. But before we get to the episode, if you're revisiting your website this season, we have stuff for you to check out. We are hosting a website giveaway that you can enter until the end of the month. You can find the details on our site at giveaway.davyandkrista.com. Be sure to check out the show notes at davyandkrista.com for the resources we mentioned during the episode. And I'd like to hear from you about what kind of content you'd like to see on the Brands at Book podcast as we move forward. I'd also like to know what episodes you've enjoyed most so far and why. To leave your feedback, head on over to the Davy and Krista Facebook page and send us a message. Now, on to the episode. Welcome, Natalie, to the show. I'm really excited about this episode because as we were just talking about, we've done this before. You know, this is like a coffee commute reunion episode. I know I'm having a little bit of like a throwback moment of when we first launched a podcast that I call it like the two week adventure. Yeah. It was like a two week podcast, but we did it. We did it. And then you have had so much success with this podcast and you've just like taken brands of book to a whole new level. So it's exciting to be on and actually get to see you and connect with you like this, which we've done before. It's really, really crazy. 
Yeah, you know, it, it was a blast doing the coffee commute. I look back at, you know, there are some elements like poor timing, you know, it was one of those things where we decided to start it. And then Chris and I had stepped down from RTS probably a month after we ended up starting it. The other thing that we decided to do, which in hindsight was just a poor decision, was we committed to everyday episodes. Do you remember that? Like, <laughs> Well, you know, we, we go big. We yeah, go big, Davey. We're not, you know, none of us are underachievers here. So when we set our mind to do it, we were like, every day, we're going to make it happen. But that's like, that is a learning you have, right? When you launch something or you start a business, you learn very quickly that the dreams we have and sometimes the ideas we have and the execution are very separate, which is why you and Krista are the perfect perfect pair because yeah. you're like me and we dream really big. And Krista is, you know, making sure that things get executed. She's operation brilliance, you know, but we definitely let our dream run a little crazy with the everyday recording of an episode. Oh yeah, for sure. And I think in that, in that case, it was, you know, Krista just unfortunately being outnumbered, you know, and us being like, <laughs> no, yeah, we can totally handle doing this every day. And in hindsight, I mean, even, even doing it once a week, you know, is a chore in terms of just the workload that goes into uh, producing an episode. But anyways, I am so glad to have you on the podcast. I think I've improved since then in terms of just question asking and you know monitoring a conversation or pacing a conversation, but we'll see. And we have so much to chat about today. I think primarily what we're going to dive into is uh, growing a platform, you know, which is something that you've done so successfully over so many different transitions. And we'll get to talk about some of those transitions. And I guess that's a good place to start. You just announced you're having a baby boy. We are. We're joining the the boy club here with yeah. all of our friends. We've had so many boys in the group lately and we're just so excited. I mean, Huey and I cannot wait. I know. And I feel like statistically, like it's more likely, right? I mean, it's like 51, 50 girls to, girls to guys, you know, but it seems like tons of people having having boys. But I will say having a boy has been, it's been so much fun. I mean, I'm sure I would have been thrilled uh, either way, but having a boy has been uh, so much fun. Any names on the table? Yeah. So as you know, Huey is a third. Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. So we are going to carry that tradition. The real question is what the nickname is going to be, you know, because here's the problem. We're, this is the fourth Hugh, Hugh Van Hayes, the fourth. And that sounds, I mean, I, when I say that, I even laugh. I'm like, that's a name. <laughs> that's someone's name. No, it really is. That's really my child's future name, but we don't know what we're going to call him because I've been dating my husband since we were 15. We've been together forever. So he's always been Huey. But I think it might be time for him to grow up into Hugh uh -huh. and us because I can't call a newborn Hugh. Can you imagine? <laughs> um, <laughs> so I, we're, we're figuring it out. Either, you know, he'll adopt the newborn will get Huey and, and my husband will graduate onto the adult name or we're going to come up with a totally new nickname based on his personality. We really have no idea. And, yeah. and I have only a three months left to figure it out. But we'll get there. We'll I, get there. I will say that the whole nickname stage is kind of fun just because there's things that you assume that you'll you'll call him and then when he actually when he actually shows up like we have all sorts of nicknames for Jack that we would just would never for instance you know we have our dog Goose who we sometimes called the big duck and then so we call Jack the little duck you know and I think we always joke Aww. around that that Jack's going to grow up and he's going to actually think his name is Duck he's also going to think a dog is a goose and it's going to be a really it's going to be a very confusing <laughs> time period for him but it's been fun just like all sorts of nicknames that you just you never, you know, you never dream of and, and here we are calling them. So that's awesome. But in addition to that, you've moved back to Annapolis. So you're back in the area. Ironically, we've only seen each other in Richmond. Since you've moved back, we've only seen each other in Richmond. So we have to change that. How's that transition going? I saw that the other morning you shared on Insta stories that you were shooting 
So is, you know, shooting a lot again? What, what, is that, what does this transition look like? Yeah, so there are a lot of transitions happening. I will say with the Annapolis transition in general, we are barely settled in. Anyone who's moved knows how this works, right? You you open the necessities. You can drink coffee out of a bowl if you need to. But little things like we don't have a stove working yet because there was a gas leak when we got back into our townhouse. A lot of fun things like that have ensued. So on a personal level, it's been chaos. I mean, I know you all can't see this video, but as we're recording, I'm in a darkened room <laughs> with no lights because we don't have light bulbs yet. I mean, really, truthfully. And I kind of feel like a, like it's like very scary. It's like a horror film in my room where I am because it's just the computer light. Oh, man. But personal level, things are still chaos, but I'm so grateful to be home. And if you were to ask Huey, like, you know, why did you guys move back? He will be honest and say, have you ever looked up the price of childcare uh, <laughs> in San Francisco? And the price of anything in San Francisco. Yeah. Don't even get me started. Yeah. Oh, we're so grateful to be close to family. And then from like a professional level, you know, it's funny. I, I do pick up the camera, I, especially from time to time in SF. And then the minute I get back here, it was like being home again with, with all my friends. So yes, I'm shooting a little bit, although still working remotely for Honeybuck and continuing to do what I've been doing for the last three years now, which is crazy. And loving it. And, and and as an introvert, working remotely kind of has its perks. Sure. And, you know, when I get home, quote unquote, at the end of the day from walking from my office downstairs to the kitchen, <laughs> I'm, I'm not exhausted. So one thing that I do want to talk about before we jump into talking about growing a platform here is just RTS in general and community. Back when we started uh, the Rising Tide Society, I, I, I don't think we knew how quickly right? It was going to blow up. And we talked about that a lot after the fact. Like, And looking back, I think we see, it's easy to see some of the reasons why RTS took off uh, as it did. But I feel like even in the last three years, what community looks like has changed, right? And I, I think when we first started it, people, a lot of, a lot of solopreneurs and people working from home, uh, people really yearning to you know get out of the house and, and meet and collaborate with other people. There was kind of the rise of online conferences and webinars. And I know webinars have been going on and, and internet trainings have been going on for you know, probably the better part of a decade, that at least in our industry, those things were on the rise. But in a way, you know, while they connected us and while social media and things like that connect us, at the same time, it still sort of isolates us, right? It still doesn't provide that, that same in-person experience. So you know, I kind of want to know, just as you look forward to 2019 and kind of how things are now, what does community look like? Do you still see those same trends playing out in RTS? You know, it's interesting. When we started Rising Tide, I think we were seeing this incredible sort of ripping apart of two worlds, right? So we were seeing the online world exploding. And as a result, we were seeing people yearning for the opposite, yearning for the offline, yearning for the in-person connection. What I've actually noticed happening, especially in the last year, is that these two worlds are almost starting to fuse together in a really unique way. And I'll explain. I think online is accessible. You know, it's it's something that enables anyone to get connected, anyone to feel like they can be a part of something larger, whether it's rising tide or a movement in their community or a part of, you know, a podcast like this. Like this is a community in and of itself. And so there is still this growth and this rapid expansion of the online element. However, I think the offline and what people are craving from offline is less formal, less traditional networking and more experiential, more relationship based. And, you know, we saw that with Rising Tide. We saw the the pain points, I should say, especially early on when 
and people would get together. And one of the biggest things we still hear from Rising Tide leaders is that they get feedback just on how much people love that it's not a traditional networking event. Like no one shows up with business cards. No one is just trying to be transactional in their connections with others. They desperately want real relationships. They want genuine conversations. They want to know that somebody else is struggling just like they are. And I think we're going to continue to see a yearning for that as we become more and more entrenched in the online world. But the two are fusing in the sense that people are becoming more vulnerable online. They're telling their stories in a different way. There's more color to you know what's happening behind what we used to consider like the curated feeds, right? Those curated feeds are shifting in a way that you know the content that performs well for a lot of us and for a lot of creatives in different capacities with their own clients is content that clients can connect to. And we'll talk more about that when we talk about platforms. But I think that the two worlds are no longer separate. You know, Rising Tide was a huge part of merging them together. And I think other communities have followed suit. I think boutique conferences and like Creative Heart is a great example of of basically a movement that was in person that now has this massive online community around it as well. And so you see sort of this, this fusing, I think, of the two elements in a way that's really profound and really supportive of the member. Yeah, I think that's a great observation, and and those boutique niche conferences really come to mind. And some of the bigger conferences that are that that are out there seem to be on the decline to a, to a certain extent. You know, these old school, you know, kind of to a certain extent, show up with your business cards. You know, hit a trade show. Those types of conference conferences seem to have declined over the last couple of years. And now you have conferences taking their place, which are in general a little bit more expensive, but generally a smaller crowd, and as you mentioned, uh, more experiential. You know, they focus even something like show at United, I think is a very experience-based conference, even though it's still, you know, probably between 300 and 500 people. So I think that's such an interesting observation. And I'm looking forward to 2019 and seeing how, you know, some of these things play out both in in RTS and and beyond. One of the things that we even started the, the conversation off about was all these different transitions that you've been going through. And I think this is a good segue into talking about growing a platform. You have gone from a wedding photographer extraordinaire. Not that you're not shooting anymore. You know, I think <laughs> you, you shot a number of weddings last year as well. But you shifted into or transitioned into you know Rising Tide Society, and you know more recently after that, even taking on a more specific role within HoneyBook. You moved back to Annapolis. In the midst of all of that, <laughs> you've gone through. You're expecting a baby boy. You've had a, a surgery that you've that you talk about a lot. It just so many different transitions. But all along the way, you've been growing a platform. And it doesn't feel like anywhere along the way you've had to hit the reset button, you know, or in terms of your, in terms of the platform that you're growing, right? It seems like not that numbers is the only way that one would measure a platform, but it seems like you have more followers along the way. And it's not like every time you make this transition, you have to, you know, start a new platform or, you know, you have a drop off in people following you. And that's one of the things that I'd, I'd love to chat with you about. How do, how do you do that? Like, how do you create a platform that's really, you know, it's a, it's a personal platform, but it, you know, it kind of evolves with you. Yeah, absolutely. So it is funny, actually, even in just hearing you talk about all the transitions that I've been through in the last couple of years to kind of recognize, well, I guess that is a lot, you know, because when you're going through it, you're just going through it. You're just trying to kind of get through to the next day. And then when you look retrospectively, it's funny to almost realize, okay, wow, I've survived quite a bit, especially in the last year and a half. But I think the key here and the thing I've learned, and I think I knew it from day one, is that a platform is only as good as its foundation. And when you build a foundation for your platform that is solely on the craft, meaning it's only about 
design or it's only about photography or it's only about the product you create. And that's it. Just about the product, nothing else. Then the minute that shifts or changes, the audience doesn't have any ties or connections to anything else. And you do have to hit reset. Truthfully, like at that point, you would have to hit reset. Yeah. However, when you build a platform from a foundation of something greater than itself, whether it's a mission statement, a why, a purpose, even a person, right? And in my case, it's a little bit of a fusion of a couple things. But when you build it from something greater, something that can withstand shifts and changes and transitions, then people are able to connect to more than just your craft. They're able to connect to maybe who you are or what your heart is about, what you care about, what you know you, you want to see change in the world or what you want your craft or your abilities to be able to give to others, like that impact, that legacy that you're building. That type of foundation is something that from a very early stage, you know, I really tried to cultivate. I didn't just want to talk about wedding photography, but I wanted to share about, you know, marrying my high school sweetheart and going through the season of building a business after college and not getting the full-time job and taking that big risk. And so I started to share a little bit of that. And each step along the way, when I went from full-time wedding photographer to running Rising Tide with you and Krista and Huey, and then from there, you know, kind of taking, taking on a different role and kind of, you know, stepping more into tech every step along the way, I've just continued to share the story and to share my heart. And, you know, especially in the last year, continued to get more vulnerable, not to be afraid to share the messy parts and the not so Instagram worthy moments. And that includes, you know, going through brain surgery and how afraid I was going into that and like truthfully very afraid. And after that, how broken I felt and how hard it was for me mentally and physically to kind of put the pieces back together. And then, you know, even in the process, like I have some regrets along the way. I wish I would have shared about our fertility journey a little bit earlier. I think that, you know, I wasn't quite at a point where my heart was ready to share about it, but, you know, we have learned Huey and I, and then I would also say like, just as a business owner, I've learned that the more I'm willing to give, meaning the more I'm willing to reveal, to share, to talk about whether it's professionally, like sharing knowledge, education, information, or whether it's personally, it's struggles, it's hardships, it's joys and triumphs too. The more I give, the more my audience actually is able to benefit and therefore is able to give back. And it becomes like this ecosystem, this sort of like self-sustaining ecosystem. So the long answer to your question, I think, is like, how do you go through so many transitions and yet not have to reset your audience? The truth is it's communicating with your audience from a place of longevity, from a place of truth and honesty about who you are, what your brand represents, what it wants to do in the world, what it aims to achieve. And from there, growing slowly and growing organically, and you will have people that will drop off, right? Like this is natural. I think as you get older, as you change into seasons of life, like now that I'm becoming a mom, I'm going to have younger members of my audience that aren't really going to be as excited about all the pregnancy announcements and all of the baby updates. But I also have a lot of parents that have, you know, are are a different, in a different season that are ahead of me even that now have started re-engaging and are more communicative with me and that I've able to foster a different relationship. And so I don't know if that really answers the question in its entirety, but I think it kind of gets to the heart there of communicating more than just the transactional aspect of what you do, right? Yeah. Talking about the relationships, talking about 
the heart, the purpose, the why, and then who you are behind it all. Yeah, that's that's great, great insight. And I think that there's a lot to uh, unpack there as well. One of the questions that I kind of always have uh, around this subject is deciding, you know, what to share, you know, and one of the things that you had mentioned is social media, especially I think with the rise of, you know, story type features is becoming a little bit more uncurated to a certain extent, right? But on some level, it is still, you know, it's still curated in that you're not out, you're not sharing absolutely, you know, everything when it comes to your life. And so I'm kind of wondering, how do you choose, you know, what to share versus, you know, maybe what to keep private? And even in sharing those hard things, how do you share them in a way that doesn't make the account just like, you know, sort of like this Debbie Downer, you know, like uh, it's constantly, you know, drama or, or things that like just somebody dealing with their, their stuff, you know? Oh my gosh. I have so much to say on this front. So, okay. First kind of let's, let's actually tackle the last point and then I'll explain more about how I decide what to share and when to share it. So I think sometimes when we hear vulnerability or we hear, you know, someone who's being quote unquote honest with their audience, we immediately assume it means they're sharing a struggle, right? And we think, okay, this has to be a negative thing that they're either going through or have gone through. And you know, again, even enlisting some of the different transitions that I've gone through, none of them have been easy. I mean, my God, anyone who's gone through any transition or change knows that it's painful, even the good ones. Like even, you know, I'm about to have a baby and it's going to be the most amazing change in our lives. It's also going to be the hardest. And so welcoming that I think is the first you know, sort of place to start. And when it comes to communicating that. I really believe in communicating struggle from a perspective of courage or hope or, you know, even victory, because I think it can be easy to fall into this trap of I'm being vulnerable, poor me, poor me, and slide into sort of a victimhood mentality. And Huey is sort of the greatest counterpart to me in the entire world, because as someone that does feel a lot of emotion, I can teeter either way. When I was going through my brain surgery, I wanted so badly to be a victim. Like I wanted it to be poor me. And I, it's, it's easy to fall into that trap, but you know, I'm grateful that my husband, both in person. And then when it comes to my mentality, which is how I then communicated outward reminds me that no matter what we face, we have a choice in how we react to it. We can't control what our struggles or circumstances are necessarily, but we can control how we move forward and how we react. So I think it comes down to communicating your struggles that you are going through, as well as the exciting things that are vulnerable too, in a way that brings hope and that champions an optimistic perspective, even when it's hard. Because to me, that's that's something that I think my audience really resonates with. You know, if I only shared the struggle and didn't also share that I saw, you know, God's grace in it, or that it it shifted my perspective in a certain way that's been really profound, or that ultimately it's shaping me into a better person, or it's changing something in my life in a, in a positive way, then I also don't think they would gain the same value out of it. Yeah. Right? It would just be me complaining about what I'm going through, and quite frankly, like we all are struggling, all of us. We don't need to be reminded that there's struggle in the world. I think what we need to be reminded of is that we are resilient and that we are fighters. So it's all in how it's communicated, at least for me. That's how I've tackled it. No, and I think that's a, a trend I see among others as well. We had uh, Caitlin James on the show 
earlier this year and or i guess you know by the time this episode goes live it will be you know last year we had her on the show you know one thing that she said was uh, just along the lines of what you were saying is, is sharing from a place of redemption and just as, just as you mentioned being able to show people that through these struggle, struggles there's god's hope and there's god's redemption in that and i think that uh, was so well put and i think what you're what you're saying was so uh, well put too and something that's i think just a good reminder because i think when we hear people talk about how we need to be vulnerable on social media that's where our mind goes you know we need to go out there and we need to we just need to put our struggles out there but we don't share it from a perspective of you know hope or joy or or strength even yeah and even in deciding how to share and when to share you know that that's a huge key sort of element to the equation too because i think we hear it you're right all we hear online is be vulnerable be open be authentic and that's great but that's very sort of high reaching advice sure. um, that doesn't have a lot of practical implications. Whereas when you take a step back, the way that I've really decided when and where to share is by thinking of sort of my story in, in different like concentrations. And I think of it like concentric circles. This is just how I see it in my mind. So if we want to get a little visual for a second, yeah. I think of it like concentric circles, starting from me and then working its way outward where the people closest to me, you know, my, my husband, my, my mom, my sister, like my immediate family, they're in that tightest knit concentric circle. They're the ones that literally know nearly everything about what I'm going through, what I'm struggling with, how I'm feeling. And then I can take one step outside of that. And that might be my really close friends. And then one more circle outside of that, that might be, you know, my industry friends, right? Which some of which fall into that very close friend category. Some of them I'm still building those relationships with, and you just keep working your way outward and outward and outward in those concentric circles until you reach the farthest fringes of the public, right? I've always thought about things from that perspective. And I, you know, really also like to look at it in how I communicate by starting with the tightest knit circle, understanding that I can be a certain level of vulnerable with them, and then learning through communicating and through telling what I'm going through in my story, what I'm enduring, you know, to those sort of more exterior concentric circles, each time that I tell it, I, I get better at communicating it in a way that I feel comfortable with to those varying degrees of relationships. So that means that there are things, obviously, I would never post on Instagram that sure. I'm going through, but that doesn't mean that I don't open up and I don't share about it with, you know, my husband or my mom. It also means that I have to define the timing at which it makes sense to share something. And sometimes I do really well at that. And sometimes I don't do really well at that. And I'll give two examples. I think, you know, with my, sharing about my brain tumor and sharing about my surgery, this is actually a great example. Like Davey, you and Krista knew for years that this was something I dealt with. And we've shared personal things. Obviously we're very, but we've been very, very close for a long time with each other that we don't share online. And one of those for me was my surgery. And so for years, I was very open about this with one of those concentric circles, but I never felt ready to share it publicly. I think part of it was because I was a full-time wedding photographer. I didn't need my clients worrying about my brain tumor. I, you know, I, that was the last thing I wanted them to be stressing about when they're stressing about their wedding. I also recognized that, you know, there was a lot of uncertainty around that health diagnosis, but I was handling it. So I felt very, very steady in, in sort of keeping it closer, keeping it tighter to the best until, you know, something shifted. I needed to, I needed to have that tumor removed. I needed to have surgery. And suddenly I recognized, okay, this is going to mean I have to stop working for two months. This is going to mean a huge shift in, you know, how I'm able to communicate with the outside world and what I'm capable of doing. And I don't want to go through this without my audience knowing genuinely what's happening behind the scenes. 
So, so that, that, you know, sort of diagnosis became something I wanted to share outward. And I did. And as I mentioned, you know, the opposite of not doing it well was I think the fertility journey at the same time as we were launching the, the coffee commute. I mean, you and Kristen knew this, but I, I was driving up to Shady Grove with Huey here in Maryland and, you know, finding out around that time that the the fertility doctor wasn't going to be able to help us conceive until we dealt with the tumor. And mm-hmm. that was what, two and a half, three years ago, maybe two, two and a half. Yeah. So you know, I never felt comfortable sharing that until after my surgery and actually until after we had started injections crazy enough, which wasn't even the beginning of of the journey by any means. Right. And (laughs) so I look back and I think, you know, should I have opened up a little earlier? And I think part of me believes maybe I should have, but another part of me is grateful that I get to give myself grace in each step of when I'm ready, when I'm ready to be be vulnerable and be communicative about something. And I think that's something that, that anyone listening to this should extend to themselves as well, thinking about who deserves to know and at what time and making sure that you're just being genuine to, to you and your story before you're able to be genuine to your audience. I really like the concentric circles uh, illustration. I'm hoping that somewhere, maybe even on your Instagram, there's like a doodle of this. Have we doodled the concentric? Now. Yeah. Okay. So I will, let I will me make know one for you. because we will absolutely link to that doodle. So I'm expecting that, you know, to correspond <laughs> with, the, with the with the show notes. All right. But I really, really like that illustration because I do think that there are some things, uh, at, you know, even in, in terms of timing, like you said, that are just be- best shared with the people who, you know, are you're closest with, who you know, love and support support you, who you know will speak truth into your life, you know? And I think sometimes, especially again, listening to that that half-truth of being vulnerable online, we just skip to that most, you know, that farthest out concentric uh, circle, right? Where we just go straight to social media and sharing it. And what we get back in return is is probably at least from some people, just not speaking truth into our lives through, you know, comments and how they interact with, with what you're sharing. So I think that was just such a great example too. you know, again, I mean, that the, the tumor, that's something that you've dealt with for years, you know, and really it's something that didn't become public until you felt like, well, you know, it's going to be public really, regardless of whether I like it or not, because I'm going to have this surgery and I'm going to be basically out for two months. And so again, I think that's just, I think all of what you just said, there's such great insight into, into both being honest, uh, you know, on social media and, and inviting people into your life, but at the same time doing it in a way that's, that's just healthy. I think that's probably the best way to put it. It's just healthy, you know, both for you and both for your audience as well. And it also gives you an opportunity to share from that place of redemption. You know, I think sometimes when you're going through it and when you're in the thick of it, it's just not, it's just not the time to share. No, I completely agree. I also think people can get sort of like overwhelmed themselves by this pressure to share. I think this is almost becoming, as I mentioned, because I think the offline and online worlds are fusing more and more, and we're trying to bring what we love about in-person community online in every way that we can, again, including vulnerability, there becomes this pressure and almost this guilt that if you're not sharing your deepest, darkest secrets to the internet, that somehow you're not genuine. And I, I that is just so frustrating to me because that is such a lie. You yeah. know, I, I think there's a way to be genuine and to kind of tiptoe your way into finding where you're comfortable at that level of communication. And it could be, you know, just sharing your own insecurities on a really light level. Like, you know, if you're launching a big business, maybe sharing about how 
when you first uh, decided to launch this business, you knew with everything in your heart, this was your dream, but you were afraid that it wouldn't succeed. That is vulnerable. That's a vulnerable statement, right? But it doesn't have to be the deepest, darkest secret of your life. It could be something like that. And then also amidst communicating that, communicating how grateful you are to have such amazing clients that see your vision too, that align with you, that believe in you, and that are enabling you to reach goals that you never fathomed you could reach. And, and that's a way of sharing, hey, here's a vulnerability. Here's how I felt when I started. And then maybe I'm not at a, at a point where I consider it a success yet, right? But I'm on the journey there and being able to take that audience with you and communicate that I think is a way to get over sort of that lie that you have to be bearing your soul every single day to the internet. It's just not true. You know, you can really start simply and just communicating more of you, your story and what you care about. Yeah. And you know, uh, Natalie, if I, if I had less restraint here, I'd be tempted to take this conversation off into another direction where we talk, <laughs> where we talk a little bit of neuroscience. All right. And talk about what happens in the brain, you know, when you get likes and, and things like that. And maybe, you know, and we could totally go off in that direction. Don't get me started know, about dopamine-driven feedback loops because I could go on for days about the addictive sort of outcomes of those. But we'll, we'll, we won't go there. Maybe another episode I later know, on. exactly. And it would have to be like a two-hour episode. And we probably have to get <laughs> Huey involved in that one as well, you know, just because yes. we're talking about tech and, and social media and, and all that stuff. But anyway, so we won't go there. But I wanted you to know, you know, we had talked before the episode here that we could probably talk for, you know, three to five hours on just, you know, random stuff like that. So I wanted you to know I'm not, I'm intentionally not taking the conversation uh, into uh, that direction. I guess the direction that we, that we ought to go is I'm going to use myself as an example. I, I really struggle with really just sharing anything on social media. I think in general, I'm a pretty private person, which I know is maybe ironic on some level just because I do like speaking. I do like talking to people, but, but I'm pretty reserved in, I think, what I share. So could you coach me through, could you walk me through somebody who wants or, you know, anybody out there who's maybe similar, somebody who wants to build a platform, who struggles getting to that point where, you know, they, they feel like they can share anything personal. How does a person like that start building a platform? And I guess maybe we should even start with some mistakes you see people make at the outset. Absolutely. So I think first thing I would ultimately do, especially for someone who maybe already is communicating on social media, but perhaps it's just about the craft. It's just about the business. It's not maybe about themselves or maybe, you know, they haven't even taken the first step to share anything would be to really understand what you are trying to communicate who you are trying to communicate to and just to start very basically. So let's use a designer, for instance, as a designer, you are creating work for your clients, right? So it's, it's more than transaction. It actually definitely transcends that becomes relational. So what I would recommend doing is actually starting to understand who are the clients and you guys do branding work all the time. So this is not new to you at sure, all, sure. but understanding who you're talking to, who you're trying to attract to, to your business. And also maybe even taking the step of outlining what that persona looks like and understanding what elements that person doesn't want to hear about, right? So it's, it's like, what will attract them? What also though, unfortunately would repel that ideal person that you're communicating to just start there, start very basic in like communications and marketing 101, understanding the fundamentals. Then from there, what I recommend doing is taking a step further and saying, okay, great but why are you running this business and what is the purpose behind it? And almost taking the Simon Sinek start with why approach, 
mixed with a little bit of like a Seth Godin tribes approach of understanding that, you know, any kind of community in this sense, but I actually would relate it to audience, which I think is sort of the new online version of a community needs to be connected to a leader, which is you or the brand needs to be connected to an idea, which is where I'm getting with the mission statement, the why, the purpose and needs to be connected to one another. They actually need to be able to communicate with one another. Your community does, your audience does, and they need to feel sort of connected to this greater platform, this greater thing that is you, your brand, the message that you're putting forth. And in this case, for the designer, the work that you're actually creating. So it's not just about creating a pretty logo. It's about creating a holistic brand that tells someone's story that enables them to pursue their passion, for instance. And in knowing that, you know, you, you kind of now are, are getting to a more qualitative, more emotional, perhaps more connected place in understanding, you know, something deeper about your platform and what you do. And then from there, what I recommend doing is going one level deeper and saying, okay, so this is my purpose and this is why I'm doing it. And this is what my brand looks like. And this is who I'm communicating to what elements of me right? As, as the person, as the individual behind the business and the brand, do I think really enable me to connect with that audience member that maybe enable me to communicate why my purpose is my purpose? Why do I care about helping people to tell their stories? Is it something about, you know, my own story? Is it that I maybe should tell my story a little more? Is it that, you know, I was a kid that didn't talk till I was five. And then once I did, I never stopped. I mean, like, what is it about you that makes you want to create brands and makes you want to design sort of a new identity for others? And when you can start to dig deeper and then just pick out a couple of things, right? You don't need to tell your whole story in an Instagram caption. You can choose five things, five things about you that are important that you think your audience needs to know about. It might be your marriage or your relationship. And maybe that's important because you feel like at the heart of every business should be love. And that could be the love of a parent that inspired you to pick up a camera and become a photographer. It could be the support of a spouse that empowered you to take this hobby and turn it into a business. But maybe it's love. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's that you are an amazing cook or you're a terrible cook. I actually incorporated <laughs> being a terrible cook earlier on in my brand. I've gotten better, thank God. But <laughs> You know, I used to post videos of the fire alarm in my in my little townhouse going off when I tried to make Huey dinner to demonstrate that I was trying, I was making an effort, but also that that was how I signaled to him that dinner was ready, like something <laughs> burned. And so therefore dinner must be done. But what's great about that is I was working with a lot of newlywed couples. I was working with a lot of couples that are getting ready to get married. And let me just tell you, neither of them knew how, knew how to cook either, right? They were yeah. still making craft mac and cheese too. So they could connect with that authenticity of, okay, she might look like she has it all together, but we all know she just burned her dinner, right? We all yeah. know she's still struggling to figure out temperature control. And there was a little element of that, that when I continued to share it over and over, it connected with my ideal audience. It also enabled me to be a little vulnerable and it made for a great kind of kickoff conversation when I actually would sit down with clients and they would say like, okay, I have to just tell you, he can't cook. He is exactly <laughs> like you or she can't. And it opened up a gateway for communication. So I know that was a long answer, but I think it's understanding the business, moving one step deeper into your purpose, and then actually going a step even deeper, which is where the personal comes in of how can you communicate about yourself in a way that drives you towards maybe illuminating the purpose more, maybe just connecting with the audience on a deeper level, but finding five things, 
five things, right? I mentioned marriage. I mentioned like even something as silly like you can't cook. It could be your love of a color. It could be your love of another artist or musician or a song. I think of Madison Short, who loves the remix to Ignition. And at first, you know, everyone was kind of like, okay, I don't get it. But to this day, I still see other wedding photographers taking videos of themselves on Instagram stories when that song comes on and tagging her and actually spreading her brand just by communicating, Maddie, this song made me think of you. And so it's it's finding those elements and then communicating them uh, consistently. Yeah, I was just uh, vigorously taking notes here. So I, I think there's there needs to be lots of doodles, all right, for people to go back to, you know, if they if they miss some of that. Uh, fortunately, it is a podcast, so you can always rewind. But I have a feeling that uh, this is going to be one of those episodes where people are are going back and taking notes. And there's so much good stuff that you said in there. One thing I want to ask you about is. You know, one thing that I've noticed about people who are, I think, really good at, you know, at, at what you're really good at, you know, which I think is in terms of connecting and engaging with the community, growing a community, is that they're able to talk about their why without explicitly talking about their why. Does that make yeah. sense? You know, mm -hmm. they, they never they never come out and just, you know, they're not an Insta story. It's just reading their mission statement, let's say. They're always, they're always using different means to, you know, I guess, explain to people what, you know, what they're about. How can people do that? How can people get better about making sure that they're conveying, you know, who they are, you know, what they do, why they do it without coming out and saying it? Oh man, I think it starts by truly having a why that aligns with who you are and what you really believe in at your core. Because if it's something you truly believe in to a degree that you live it every single day, then all you have to do is open up a window and document your own life, right? Like if it's so authentic to who you are, I think about um, friends of mine, we can, you know, it could be anything, but friends of mine who were faith is every, every part of their day, they're yeah their faith system is integrated into who they are. It's not something they just talk about on the internet. It truly is. It's who they are. Then all they have to do is share their life with people. And they're going to see that that belief system resonate and see it shine through in their values and how they invest time in their family or their church group or in their synagogue or like whatever it is, because it is really who they are. I think that's, that's where you start. It's, is your mission statement. The question isn't like, how do you communicate the mission statement without saying it is, it's really make sure your mission statement is actually something that aligns with who you are to a level where it's ingrained in your very being. You know, I, I look at people who, who practice what they preach and, and it still doesn't feel real. It doesn't feel authentic. And you can tell, you can just tell that they're putting on a show or they're trying to live up to this brand that they created. That's almost more aspirational than it is authentic. And, and that's okay. But I think that there's beauty in having a, a mission statement, a why, a purpose that is so ingrained with, with your values and who you are and what you want to see the world become or what you want to do for your clients and how you want to impact their life that simply by documenting your daily existence, you're showcasing what really matters to you. You're showcasing your why. I, you know, a good example of someone that does this so beautifully is Abby Grace, actually, who I think will be either have already been on an episode or if not, is very, very soon upcoming. She's a dear friend of both of us. But she is someone who I remember very early on talking about why she cared so much about, you know, photography and her images and this, this idea of creating heirlooms. And, you know, she shares a lot about 
her, her life, her travels, her time with Matt, her husband, and, you know, in documenting her own journey, her own marriage, she inspires other people to do the same with theirs. She inspired Huey and I to get pictures taken together. And, you know, she was the first person I thought of when I wanted pictures, you know, outside of like our, our wedding, I, I brought her up to Maryland to shoot for us because she really believes these heirlooms are so important that she's creating them herself and she's inspiring people to do the same. And in telling the story of, of her, her family and what, and what she, she dreams of for her future, she's, she's doing it every single day. So I, I think it, it's really finding ways to align that mission statement with who you are and what you really care about as a creative and as a creator in a way that as you move forward, it becomes very natural to communicate it. Even if it's, you know, playing with your dog, it can align, you know, like showing off how much you love your dog and you, you're running around and, you know, or how much you love your kids and how you start to tell stories about parenthood. And I've, like, I've seen those things with you and Krista. It, it goes to show that you guys care immensely about family and you care immensely about creating this legacy of love in your lives that is so much deeper and so much richer. And I can see how you want to, to help other people to have, have that same kind of life where they can be, be joyous in, in every moment and really pursue their passion and do what, what makes them happy, do ultimately what allows them to leave a legacy behind and in creating brands for people, you know, you guys do that. You enable them to have that same circle of love and, and faith and honestly just joy. Right. And I know that was a rambling answer. No, Davey knows I ramble. No, that was, that was, <laughs> but, that was great. You're yeah. too kind. And, and you know, what's funny too, is uh, Abby actually brought you up in her episode as well. And so your episodes will be released around the same, same time period. So both are great. So I encourage you uh, to go and listen to Abby's episode as well. And I think that is, a, I think that is a great example. You know, and I guess one other thing that comes to mind is when I think about people that I really like to engage with online, you know, whose communities I feel like I'm a part of, one thing that they're so good at is telling stories. And I think that aligns perfectly with what you were saying. It's just that if you're truly living out your why, right, the stories you tell about your life align with that. And so it just makes sense that people would uh, connect and engage with that and that, you know, whatever, whatever they're living in their lives would resonate with your own life. So, you know, I appreciate, I appreciate that answer. And I don't think it was as rambling as, as you think. So <laughs> there's a reason I doodle. I think the do the doodles have become a new method of communication that require far few words than I'm used to, because I do, I, I do feel like I ramble, but you know what? It's okay. That's why I've picked up my iPad and I've started doodling truthfully. I want at least one doodle to go into the show notes. All right. All right, I'm going to try. I, okay. will, I will do my best. Concentric circles. Concentric circles. That's the one I want. Before we wrap up here, I want to know, are there any mistakes that you see people make that they should just absolutely avoid when first, you know, when trying to, to grow a platform? Yes. I think the biggest mistake is spending more time looking at your competition than looking at your client. I think that we have a tendency to want to model behavior after what we see other people doing that we perceive to be successful keyword perceive to be successful. And therefore we oftentimes, and I see a lot of people make this mistake, but we oftentimes follow somebody else's trajectory or path to a point where their inspiration, their brand, their message, their audience, we almost sort of absorb elements of that rather than defining for ourselves who we are and who we want to be. And actually Krista was someone that was really instrumental for me in determining this for myself. I think back to an early rebrand of Natalie Frank <laughs> photography when I desperately wanted what everyone else had. I wanted calligraphy. I wanted pink. I wanted watercolor. I wanted 
all of these elements. And Krista said to me, <laughs> I don't she just remember this. Me, so this is, I'm, oh, I'm, man. I'm enjoying this. I mean, this is real, like old school here. We're going all the way back. And Krista <laughs> in her Christopher, like looked at me and was like, but you're not that. You're not that like, I'm looking at you. You're wearing Sperry's. You don't have your nails painted. You're not super, like you're not super girly. You don't, you're not a fine artist. You're not a watercolor painter. Nothing, you know, nothing wrong with that nap, but you're sitting here, you know, I'm sure Krista said it in her very blunt, you know, the very blunt way that she says those sorts of things. Which I needed so desperately because again, what was I doing? I was looking at other people and I was saying, I want to be just like her. When in reality, what Krista reminded me was, no, you're pretty darn awesome yourself. Like be you, you know, you're, you're nautical. You are more of a preppy classic kind of person. You grew up in Annapolis. Like, you know, she identified for me. I think that my uniqueness was not a weakness that, you know, ultimately the brand I needed to create wasn't one that mirrored what other people were doing, but rather was one that communicated who I was in a way that connected to my clients. And this is like, I'm talking way back when, and we know she's a genius. She's always (laughs) been a genius, but this moment was really transformational for me. And so I think the biggest mistake I see people making, honestly, is they're focusing more on their competition than their client. They are comparing themselves and they're trying to build something that resembles what they think other people are doing and are doing successfully rather than taking that step back and really figuring out who they are and what makes them different and looking at their uniqueness, looking at that element of them that maybe even they've been insecure about. I talk about like, I'm a nerd. I never used to talk about that until a couple of years back. I was so, I was so afraid of that. You know, I looked at the industry and everyone was so glamorous and social and fun and (laughs) cute and all those words. And here I was, you know, truly like a nerd. I, I really enjoyed, you know, reading journal entries about um, which side of the sta- stage to speak to when you're trying to be humorous versus trying to be emotional. I mean, I love the neuroscience of everything. And I was so afraid to be vulnerable about like, oh, that actually is who I am. I'm not I'm not always the most social. I'm kind of awkward. Anyone who knows me knows that I get scared. I get terrified before I walk into a room of people. And then afterwards, I collapse and just want to sleep for the rest of the night because <laughs> I'm an introvert. But I never let that shine through because I was trying to be somebody that I thought other people wanted me to be rather than being myself. And I think that's a mistake a lot of us make. It's so true, even in even not in business, right? I think just in competition in general, uh, and I think back to my experience in coaching is one thing it was really hard, you know, while we prep for games. And so I, I coached uh, high school varsity lacrosse. And one one thing that was very difficult in terms of managing players was trying to get them not to focus too much on the film of their competition, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because what happened is, you know, they would focus so much on that, they would forget what they had to execute on their own, you know, like our game plan. And I just thought, I think it's such an interesting parallel to to business as well. You know, I think I think sometimes, you, just like you said, we do something, we do something similar, you know, and focus in, instead of focusing on our own game plan, the things that we have to execute, we get so wrapped up in what other people are doing, you know, and it takes us away from what we should be focused on, what's going to move our business forward. So again, I think that's, I think that's great insight to wrap up this episode with, and I'm excited to hopefully see you and Huey in Annapolis, not in another, (laughs) not in another state since we're, we're literally miles from each other again, but it has, like you said, it's just a busy season, especially with the holidays. And I want to thank you so much for taking the time to join me on the show. And for those people listening, where can they, uh, learn more about you? Yes, absolutely. So the best place is at nataliefrank.com. And then on social media, I spend most of my social media time allocated towards Instagram these days. So I would say 
at Natalie Frank on Instagram. And I would just love a chance to connect with all of you who are listening. And Davey, seriously, thank you so much for having me on. I do feel like it's a throwback to our coffee commute podcast days. This has been so much fun and just a huge honor to, to be on the platform. So thank you so much. Yeah. Well, I'll, I will say, you know, it was really the coffee commute and we talked about even before we stepped down from RTS, how much we enjoyed doing the the podcast, you know, even though so we were just learning. I mean, it was just, it was a very raw, I think, experience because, you know, we had never done something like it before, but really, I mean, w- one of the reasons I started this podcast was because I, I had, you know, such fond memories of, of that podcast. And it was just such a good learning experience too for this one as well. So thank you again. And, you know, hopefully we will see you around soon. Thanks, Davey. Thanks for tuning in to the Brands That Book Show. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing and leaving a review in iTunes. For show notes and other resources, head on over to DaveyandKrista.com. 